No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. If you've been paying attention to the National Football League through the first third of the season, you've probably noticed there have been some controversies when it comes to officiating. To help break it down, tell us what's really going on, we welcome ESPN senior NFL writer Kevin Seifert. Kevin, uh, after what happened Monday night with the Packers and the Lions, um, what were people in the league and around the league saying? Uh, you know, they were wishing it didn't happen, certainly, but I don't think people in the league are as alarmed by any one particular game that as the fans who, who are of those two teams and also the audience, which happened to be a national TV audience was, uh, they view whether it's right or wrong, fair or not, they view officiating as a constantly, uh, you know, escalating and de-escalating issue that some days you have good games and some days you have bad games. I think there are a lot of people who are wondering if the pass interference uh, replay review thing is going to last. But in terms of them missing calls on illegal hands to the face and, and that sort of thing, I do not think there was quite the level of alarm inside the league as there was outside. We're speaking with Kevin Seifert. Of course, the pass interference replay, um, what is it, clear? Well, what is the language they're using? It has clear, clear and obvious. Clear and obvious, which hasn't been as clear and obvious as everyone thought it might be. Uh, and you reported uh, going into that Monday night game, I think it was coaches had lost 24 of their last 25. Do I have the numbers right? 24 that of their last right. 25 yep. challenges. Yeah. So what, is th- what does that say about what's going on here it tells me that the nfl doesn't want coaches to challenge uh, pass interference and even though they pass the rule that allows them to do it uh, they only want to have it seems like they only want to have that rule in place to give them a safety net when there's a unbelievably egregious awful you know go outside in the middle of the street and scream type miscall that really has massive implications like the nfc championship game and I can understand that, and I think that's actually probably the only way reviewing subjective calls could work. But the problem is when they presented the rule and when they updated coaches and really even media members and fans from uh, over the spring and the summer and the off season, they made it out as if they were going to be much tighter on what they, uh, you know, what was clear and obvious than what has actually been the case. If they had from the start said it's only going to be like the worst calls ever that we overturn, then I think the level of outrage wouldn't be nearly as high as it is now. We're speaking with Kevin Seifert about things going on in the NFL and beyond in professional football right now. But why wouldn't that message just be communicated? I don't know through which channels or what meeting the competition committee just say, hey, this is not meant um, you know, to be a tool to overturn every uh, grabbing and clutching downfield, but only when it's uh, an obvious, um, egregious kind of mugging. Well, that that message was never really communicated. No, I think I think they screwed it up. To put it bluntly, they that <laughs> that's blunt because what happened was, you know, Al Riveron, who's in charge of uh, officiating for the NFL. 
went around with videos to, to try to give people an idea, which is what he should have done. You know, give people an idea of here's what we're going to overturn, here's what we're not going to overturn, so that coaches and broadcasters and even fans would know what was coming. And one of the plays that he used was, if you go back to the Super Bowl last year between the uh, the uh, Rams and the Patriots, there was a play where Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks uh, were, there was a deep pass to Brandon Cooks and the Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore was in coverage and he sort of grabbed him beforehand uh, and Cooks couldn't make the catch, but they didn't call pass interference. And this was one where, he, where Al Riveron said, if somebody challenges that moving forward, we would actually overturn this type of call. And it wasn't a complete mugging. He did get there early and did restrict Brandon Cooks from uh, uh, catching that pass, and it was a big play and would have been a big play because I think Jared Goff threw an interception the next, uh, on the next play. But uh, people, so, but it wasn't the type of thing where he just tackled him and, and, you know, pounded his head into the ground three seconds before the, the ball got there. So it wasn't egregious, but it was pretty obvious that he had done it. So that was the type of call people thought would be overturned. And that's why there were so many challenges from coaches trying to get calls like that overturned. And then they didn't, they didn't do it. And so like, regardless of the, of what they explained, the reality has been, unfortunately, that that uh, that the standard for overturning it is almost uh, you know almost unreachable. We're speaking with Kevin Seifert of ESPN about officiating in the NFL, and of course, you know the, the old saw is that you know you could call holding on every play, and I guess you could call pass interference basically on every passing play. So so these are all shades of gray. These are all matters of interpretation. It's all about you know uh, the way the league decides it's going to uh, officiate these things. It, to me, Kevin, it all comes back to the idea that um, the cameras are just too good. There are too many of them now. Uh, they're too good. The high definition is too good. It's only getting better. The ability for television crews to put more cameras at every game because the technology is getting less expensive, you know, uh, progressively. It, 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 I, is officiating any different or is it merely our ability to see precisely what is happening on the field that has exposed officials in a way that they have not been in the past. I think Jeremy in the very biggest picture that more the bigger part of the issue is the technology and that we can see a lot more mistakes and a lot more gray area than we used to be able to see, you know, especially, you know, when we were growing up, you know, I remember watching games in the 1980s when like they wouldn't even always show, you know, a replay of any, of a of a big yeah. it just wasn't part of the of the of the environment. And so Certainly there was, um, there's, there's part of that, but I do think, and I think there's a lot of people in the NFL who would agree to this if you put a lie detector in that there's been a, a snowballing of several unrelated factors that have really conspired to put a dent in the quality of officiating across the board. Uh, you know, a few of those are that there's been a lot of turnover. When you look at, at the leadership of officiating, probably in the past 10 years, there's been four guys in charge, Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, Carl Johnson and now Al Riveron, that is something to consider. In the past two years alone, seven referees have retired, uh, you know, the actual crew chiefs, and they are the most important guy on the field. And so you have seven new referees in two years, and I think it's 11 in the past six or seven years. And so you've had tremendous turnover in the most important positions of officiating. And a lot of those guys came into the league with not nearly as much experience as, as has been typical uh, there used to be a training program that existed for officials that uh, retired officials would join the league's front office and work to mentor and train young officials. That's largely gone away. 
and they tried to do the full time thing and that uh you know for for like twenty percent of officials and that has um been been carted aside and so uh you add all those things up and I think it's you know it's undeniable that that has also had an effect on the quality um of the game uh quality of officiating but uh it's probably not as big of a factor as technology, but it's certainly part of what's going on. Is Riverine on the hot seat? I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, uh, there's certainly, there's certainly some things that he's good at, but I think the biggest thing that most people in the NFL know is that the job has gotten too big, at least for him and probably for the way it's structured. Uh, it would not be a shock if, if, if he is a short term, uh, you know, person in that particular job. There's a lot of respect for him as just sort of a longtime NFL employee, but I think that there's a feeling that there needs to be multiple people um, involved in the leadership of officiating that currently aren't there. So we'll see if that actually means that he just gets fired and, and they put somebody new in that spot or if they expand the leadership there in the football operations that would um, – allow them to, to address more forcefully some of the issues that I was just talking about. We're speaking with Kevin Seifert, ESPN senior pro football writer. And before we let you go, Kevin, it's a big week uh, for the reboot of the XFL, which I know you're, you're following and ESPN is broadcasting, right? When it, when it does come back, um, what, what, what has been going on this week with the XFL? There's a draft. Yeah, they had a draft uh, on Tuesday where basically uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and they're filling their eight teams' rosters with 71 players apiece. Um, there was almost a thousand people in their in their draft pool. Uh, many of them were people who were cut by NFL teams over the Labor Day weekend, the final cuts, and then didn't land with practice squads. Some of them are people who have been in the AAF or with the, uh, the Alliance of American Football that went under last spring. A few uh, are people who had been injured for a while and are trying to make a comeback. But, um, they, yeah, that was the first big step in sort of putting some names into what has sort of just been a, a generic, uh, understanding that there would be a, a new pro football league de- debuting in 2020. Any particularly big names that, that most fans would know? Yeah, there's a few quarterbacks. Uh, Connor Cook, who had been, uh, you know, was a pretty good quarterback at Michigan State and then was drafted by Oakland, uh, and played a few years. He's, uh, he was drafted, um, uh, Landry Jones is going to be reunited with Bob Stoops, his coach, uh, at Oklahoma, uh, in, in Dallas. And so that, and a lot, a lot of other Oklahoma players were drafted as well, um, by Bob Stoops. And so there's, there's the quarterbacks, I think probably half the start, half to, half to two thirds of the starting quarterbacks, when it all is said and done, people will recognize their names. But I don't think it's pretty clear to me that this version of the XFL is not looking to, uh, be splashy, have swagger to try to draw attention with big names. I think they feel right or wrong, fair or not, that their allure will be the type of football they play on the field and not any particular star's names. Kevin Sievert, uh, we hope it's a, a clean week of officiating in the NFL. Don't know if we can handle another messy one. And, and we're speaking before Thursday night. Who knows if something happens Thursday night, but it's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Well, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.